Welcome to Mac and Blue, where we introduce you to who is building Arizona, bringing you the people and businesses that shape the landscape around us. From economic development and developers, underwriters and lenders, architects and engineers, to the very builders and suppliers that bring it all together. Now let's join our hosts, Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky, aka Mac and Blue. Good afternoon, everyone. Broadcasting live today, not in studio at the beautiful Mac 6 studio in beautiful Arizona, but I am Robert Johnson, and I am broadcasting from Las Vegas, Nevada, or Nevada, depending on where you're from. He's J.J. Levinsky, the guy in the middle of your screen over there. How's it going, J.J.? Good. If it's any consolation, I'm in a basement in Heber City, Utah, so... You know, you got you got a better view than I do. Are you there uh, willingly, or does somebody have you against your will? Let's say WitPro might know where I'm at, but beyond that, okay. no one else does. Okay, excellent. And we are super excited today to have these other two gentlemen with us. Top of your screen is Rod Cullum. Rod Cullum is the is a founder and president of Cullum Homes in Scottsdale, Arizona. Glad to have you, Rod. Well, glad to be here. Looking and forward to other learning gentlemen. everything uh, Brad has to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other guy. Brad Levitt is from uh, is the founder and principal of uh, A Finer Touch, also in Scottsdale, Arizona. Both of these gentlemen are Luxury Home Builders Premier. Glad to have you, Brad. Thanks for having me. And truth be told, Rod's my mentor. So he, <laughs> you know, I'm taking he can take the credit for that. This is gonna be fun. Let's start with Rod. Rod, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, how you got started, and a little bit about your company. Sure. Uh, Cullum Homes was founded in 1985 by uh, my wife and I. Really got started from uh, land development real estate side and just fell in love with the uh, process of custom designing one-of-a-kind homes from the ground up. So we've been doing it uh, you know, in uh, Paradise Valley and uh, North Scottsdale Market. Uh, we're blessed to have... Uh, in addition to the one-of-a-kind custom homes, we do uh, projects like we're doing right now, the Phoenician uh, Resort. We're building 51 single-family homes on the golf course there. And in Silverleaf and Desert Mountain, we have projects that offer uh, golf frontage uh, homes as well. So in addition nice. to the homes that are the ones that most people never get to go in, we're building uh, some really great communities as well. Very good. Very good. How about you, Brad? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and a finer touch? Uh, sure. Yeah, I've been building here in the Valley since 2005. I graduated in construction management up at BYU. I uh, was fortunate early in my career to work at the Omni Mono Lucia as a project manager, working on that hotel resort, uh, which was some great experience, and then started my firm nine years ago. So 2013, formally started March of 2013, based here in the Scottsdale Air Park, commercial residential although that pendulum has swung a little bit more towards high-end residential these last couple of years uh, with supply chain and, and demand and have some incredible projects that range from net zero, from a building science side, all the way to 50,000 square feet on the residential side, which is a pretty big house. So we're, we're kind of all over right now. Did you say 50,000 square feet yeah. on a, for a home? 
Uh, yeah, wow. I posted some drone shots and people say, brother, are you building like a school or you know, some commercial <laughs> building? It's a pretty big site. So yeah. It's wow. That's incredible. So both of you have tremendous reputations in the industry. I would love to hear how the two of you met. And at the introduction here, you, you commented that Rod was a mentor to you. Can both of you talk through that, um, through both of your eyes and perspectives? I think the audience would love to hear that. Yeah, I'll jump in because Rod, Rod may not know. I mean, at least this part. So when I was at Mono Lucia, and this is back, I was working for a company by the name of Roland at the time. And Rod had an amazing reputation, was known all throughout Paradise Valley and Scottsdale as, you know, premier builder, which he is. And, um, you know, had had seen him from afar, had met him or not really met him. I'd been at some networking events. He was there, but he didn't know who I was at the time. But fast forward to we're part of a group called CBUSA, which is a group of builders, you know, a buying group nationally. And Rod actually helped start this group here in Arizona. Extremely generous, was always super nice to me and like put his arm around me. In fact, probably one of the big, biggest influences he had on me is uh, we had seen each other. We were walking in Orlando at the International Business Show. He and his wife, Kim, were out there. And he was telling me about his Builder 20 group. He's part with Magleby at the time and some other builders. And I know a lot of the Magleby people from my time at BYU, but um, he's like, Brad, hey, get part of a Builder 20. I'll like change your career, change mine. You need to do it. And funnily enough, he may not even know this, but a couple months later, a group or a company out of Ohio, Galoni Builders, called me. They had found me through Instagram. The Sun had been following me, and they were actually the original Builder 20 group. Like they started the original, the very first group nationally in 1994. And then since then, you know, with NHB, they kind of helped formulate these groups, of which, you know, Rod had an amazing group and was fortunate to join them. And so I, I would attribute, you know, just the times I reached out to Rod and just asked him questions and, you know, dealing with clients, the emotional roller coaster. He sent me his emotional roller coaster <laughs> form, right, to communicate. So it's like it's these things where he just, for, for, you know, being younger, coming in, most of the builders were very cold shoulder to me. Like they just, and they still have been, but Rod's not that way. And he just, I, I love his passion for construction and doing the right thing and getting into ICF and building science. And, you know, that's just something that our industry has lacked in every way. And so that's my perspective, at least, uh, you know, on the mentorship abroad. So, well, Brad, thank you. I, uh, when I started the business, uh, you know, you, you learn this industry through a lot of bloody hard knocks and, uh, custom home building is such a difficult experience, not only for the builder, but many times for the homeowner. It's a, it's a long journey. When I met Brad, uh, he was, working down to Montalucia, uh, building some really nice homes. And uh, we were just starting our Mountain Shadows project just up the street, and we've, we've finished that up now. But, you know, my my philosophy over the years, um, you know, there's been a lot of people that have helped, helped me in my early career. This is a very, it's a surprising, the market's so huge. I don't know if Brad and I have ever really competed against each other. And there's a lot of other great builders we have in our CBUSA group that, are wonderful custom home builders here in town. And, you know, some of the old timers is, I, I don't know if there's any as old as I am, but uh, some, of the, <laughs> some of the guys that are really close, we've, we've never competed with each other over 30 years of being in the business right next door to each other. So I've That's always, amazing. yeah, I've always uh, felt you kind of pull the guy behind you and push the guy in front of you. And the better I can make my competitor, the better our industry will go. And we unfortunately hear so many horror stories about custom home building 
And usually it's because the builder and their processes and their team just really aren't prepared to take on a 50,000 square foot or a 20,000 square foot or even a 5,000 square foot ultra custom home. And, and there is a lot of hard knocks to learn. There's a lot of ways to, you, you need to learn how to manage the, your trades, your trade partners, as well as your customer and the whole process. And so when I saw Brad was that kind of person, absolutely. I want, I want to help, help him. And I'm, you know, right now I'm mentoring my, my own children in the business, but the market's so big when we get a, a group of professional builders together and treat each other as professionals, um, it's just going to make our industry that much better. Yeah. Hey, hey, Rod, or go ahead, Robert. No, I, I was just, uh, you, you touched on this, and I just wanted to get a, a bit of a clarification on it. So would you say that, that most of your business is negotiated, or are you competitively bidding a, against other builders? Well, there's a couple different business models in our, in our industry, and one is uh, the client that comes in and, and wants you to build your, their home because of your reputation and because right. of your experience and your in, in our case, we have architectural in-house versus a lot of builders like Brad have architectural relationships with multiple architects. So we've taken a, a, a little different route than, than um, a, a different path than uh, what Brad's doing because, you know, I, I'm old enough to live through uh, about four down cycles. My first down cycle was something called the RTC that Brad wasn't born yet. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and after going through that experience, our industry, I just felt, is broken. Uh, you know, there's that the, the, the mentality of racing to the bottom, uh, mm-hmm. trying to beat up your trades to get the absolute last penny out of the trade and the customer beating you up to get the last penny out of a deal. And I understand that world and, you know, participate to some degree. You know, we're always looking for the best value from our, from our trade sure. partners. You know, as I, I tell them, I want you to, I want to make sure you're making money. I just don't want you to buy a new, new pickup truck on every single job. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to make a reasonable profit. So, you know, when we're out there looking at the industry in whole, uh, I I think it's really critical that, you know, uh, we reach out and help, help people like Brad and, and learn that, you know, you have the cost plus builder, you have the fixed price builder, and then, you know, you have the builder that, build speculative homes or we call them for sale models and you know they're building homes to to sell as soon as they're done and you know there's other versions of that in between but those are primarily what we're competing with so our customers come to us uh in our communities because we own and control the community but on on a, on a spot lot or a, just an acre lot in paradise valley or five acres in north scottsdale or whatever it is yeah we'll we'll often be interviewed for, uh, you know, people like, you know, the, the top eight or 10 builders in town, we often interview against, and all of us have slightly different strategies. And the building process is important. You get along with the builder and you understand their processes because Brad's heard me say this before, but when you really think about our industry right now, it takes you about a year to design a house and get a permit. And depending on the size of the house, a more normal house than a 50,000 footer you know, we're telling people it takes you about 18 months to build a 4,000, 5,000 square foot house. And as the larger it gets, we basically add about a month per thousand feet. So when you have that length of a relationship, that's from the beginning to the house completing. And then you warranty it for, in our case, the 
you know, we'll, we'll service that client for as long as they live in the home. So, you know, I laughingly tell most people when we meet them, you do realize that our personal relationship here, our one-on-one relationship is going to last longer than the average American marriage. So, (laughs) so it's a real, it's all about managing relationships. It's not just about managing, you know, is it framed right or the concrete, right? I mean, that's expected. It's really about getting the right builder, the right team as early in the process as you can to get the right results. If you're chasing, you know, that mentality that chases to the bottom, I want the absolute cheapest. I, I'm not going to speak for Brad, but I can speak for myself. That's not our buyer. We don't usually yeah, you, win that war. We're not, we're, we're, we're about building the right value for the right client in the right process. You find that to be true, Brad, for you as well? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you asked this early on was the negotiated side and, and a lot of this is reputation. A lot of it's market. I mean, there's a lot of circumstances why that's the case, but you know, we haven't, competitively bid a project in probably four years everything's negotiated because as rod said it's it you know fortunately when you're able to show the value you bring to the client right and everything we do in my you know my process is a little bit different than rods is that it is cost plus you know i don't do a ton of development and you know i'm outsourcing design architecture which is a little bit different model but in essence it's still the same where rod and i agree is it's not a race to the bottom is that you know there's value that that he brings, that I bring, that our company brings, our team, our experience. You know, I have very experienced people that work for me that bring a lot of value. They're great communicators. You know, they smile. That's a lot of the feedback we get from our clients and vendors and subcontractors. Like, there's just a different aura, right? And so we want clients that understand that value. The reality is, and Rod alluded to this, is that construction is such a tough industry. It's so hard in so many ways. Not just management, but supply chain and you know, the complexity of building that most people don't realize and where you can get in trouble as a builder and warranty. And, you know, every home you finish, your tail gets longer. So there's more exposure. And, you know, and so you just have to understand it's just risk. Every day, all we do is deal with risk. And we want clients that aren't just looking for the cheapest price because there's nothing more expensive than a cheap bid, right? Exactly. And so, yeah, you have to have a clientele, the ideal client that understands that value we bring. Got it. JJ? Brad, you stay on cue and we'll have Rod follow up this time. Um, we talked about the process. We could spend four hours on the process alone. But Rod, I, I think the, or, or Brad, sorry. I, let's start with the customer process because I think the listener and the viewer would really be intrigued by how each of you handle that customer experience up front, the interview, the, you know, and then that process of the year of, of design and permitting. Can you guys go into that a little bit, please? Sure. I, you said the keyword right there, JJ's interview. And I think one of the mistakes we make as builders too often is that we're being interviewed on the client by the client, right? If we're, you know, as they're vetting us, but we're not vetting the client, we're not interviewing them. And the thing is, this has to be a two-way relationship. Rod spoke that, look, we're essentially married to our client for two, three, four years and even longer. And so there has to be an interview process where we understand how to identify the red flags as we're asking these questions. And so in my process, I'm doing all of our business development, all of that vetting. And so it, it is a process, right? And, you know, for me, you know, being a newer company and fairly young, essentially, is that, you know, social media has been a platform where I can show, you know, the thought leadership side, the system side, like our process, like our people, our core values, like this is who we are. And so I, you know, essentially it's, attracting the right ideal client to some extent, but then there's still 
that vetting process, not just budget and schedule, but also personality, you know, decision-making, availability. We all know you have to feed the meter. I'm not your bank. Like, so there's these questions that we have to be asking and then just understand, you know, their thought process of the relationship of me and how, how I play into their life, their relationship, and just their value system. And then once we get to that common ground, then yeah, then we go to the next step of design architecture, you know, bringing in the right team, which, you know, it can take a year, 18 months, two years in design before we even break ground. Yeah. When you're uh, dealing with the ultra wealthy, which we have the privilege of doing often, you need to learn how they want to handle or how they will handle conflict because there will be conflict. There will be the drywaller that goes out to start his pickup truck and the battery won't turn over. And some of these guys won't make the decision of, well, I'll figure out how to get to the job. They'll, you know, they'll walk to check her auto and buy a new battery and not show up that day. And come, they'll show up the next day and say, Hey, I did everything I could. I just couldn't get it. Or my kid's sick at home. And you know, there's, we're all on a time schedule. We're all on a budget and there's going to be days that no one works in your house. And I always, I tell my clients, uh, everyone that's ever bought for me for the last 30 years, I tell them the big gulp story. And if you, if you're going to walk into your house on Sunday afternoon and there's a big gulp cup, I don't even know if they sell big gulps anymore. It's aged me here. <laughs> there's a big gulp cup sitting on your new granite countertop and it's sweated some water out on it. If you feel like you, you need to call me on a Sunday and, you know, just rake me over the coals because someone left a big gulp cup on your brand new granite that by the way, can be polished out. I mean, it's not the end of the world. If that, if those kind of moments are the end of the world moments for you, please do not build, especially don't build with me. Don't build with Brad, but just, you should, <laughs> you should not, you should not go through this process because some people have expectations you just can't meet. So, you know, we, we do have the privilege and I know Brad now, you know, when you get started in this business and you got a pickup truck and a, a hammer and you throw your license up and you become a builder you don't know all the things that Brad's learned over the nine years of doing this and me over the 36 years of doing this. You don't have the perspective to be able to understand that person is not who you want to build for. You want the business and you go take the business and then this eruption happens and and you live with that for years and years and years. So our company philosophically is very much about uh, our our success with first-time home buyers is very, very low. Because we come in and we'll tell you stories that you don't want to hear and they don't believe it. And then they meet me at a philanthropic black tie event uh, a year later or two years later or three years later and go, Rod, will you finish my house? And we go, no, we don't take over projects in the middle of the stream. And, and then they'll, you know, talk to you about, wow, I should have listened to you, but it's hard. It's really hard, especially when you're doing your first one of a kind home to believe all the things that happen. Not that it's bad. It's all managed. It's how, how we prepare our customer to, ex, to ex, what their expectations should be. Because this is a, a, a three-year process that you will have the craziest things happen. None of them, you know, I, I always tell people, we put them together by hand. If we have to take it apart by hand, we'll put it back together by hand. You know, we, we inspect our product, uh, I know as Brad does it, every, every phase of the construction and there will be times that something's not flashed right or something, you know, something happens and it, but it's not, if you just can't let it be the end of the world moment for the, the client and some clients can't accept that. 
And so those are the clients we don't, we don't build for. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump out real quick, take a break for a word from a sponsor. The way we construct is changing. Technology, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, manufacturing, off-site construction, high-velocity construction. These aren't things you would typically associate with construction. They are at Mac Prefab. The way we construct has changed. Welcome to high-velocity construction. Welcome to Mac Prefab. Build with strength. Sustain with steel. He says to two wood guys, let me jump in real quick before we change track. I, I did get some questions. We have, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, provide a, a text message for people to uh, number to text questions to a guest. And I got three of them this time. I'm going to start with the first one and then we'll move to JJ for the next one. Next question. <laughs> Boy, this could go. This is probably going to take up the rest of the, the, the program. <laughs> what advice would you give? to someone who is just starting out in custom home building and any key areas to focus on when starting out. You've touched on some of them, clearly. Let's start with Brad. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot to figure out as a custom builder, right? I would say right now, and maybe I'll take this more to a pricing aspect, is where I've spent a lot of time these last three years is really understanding cost plus, right? And understanding how to price a job. And, it, you know, Rod mentioned this early on that even in the vetting process, especially when you're young or you're getting your first job, you know, young in business, you know, you get this amazing job. And so you're just going to try and get it without vetting the client. But it's very similar to the pricing structure. A lot of times you want to get your foot in the door. You want to do this without really understanding. But, but it's a fine line because there's still value. Maybe being young in the career, you don't have the value where you can charge the appropriate price as to when you're a little bit more seasoned and you have the experience or the value that you offer, and now you can demand that price per se. But at the end of the day, we all have to feed our families. We have to keep our doors open. And so many mistakes we make as contractors is not understanding how to estimate properly and price a project. And this is something that I wish I knew earlier in my career is understanding how to do cost plus effectively, You know how to field management, the office management, just like a commercial contractor does, how to build proper overhead, the documentation behind it, the lien releases. And so, you know, understanding just your billing process and expectation of the client and how to price a project and then set that clear expectation is huge because that'll set the tone just for the success of the project because money is always coming to play with every client. And so my advice would be just find a networking group. For me, Builder 20, as Rod told me to join. But the Builder 20 group, I have four builders that all they've done is cost plus and they've just like essentially one-on-one train me and my controller, this is how you do it. And it's just completely transformed our business financially, benefit of us and our client as well. Let me let me jump in before Rod answers, because you've mentioned something a few times, and this is the actually the, the, the very next question. With cost plus contracts, does your percentage vary depending on the size of the contract? Yes and no. So what I'll say is it should always, you should always take into consideration the, the size and the scope. And what I mean by that, if you're doing a remodel that's only going to be three months, right? That you're out there as opposed to maybe a 16-month build. Yeah, you should understand what that what that number is. And you will have some, you know, I'm seeking as Rod is, the ideal client for me is someone that hasn't built before or hasn't built the first time they've built before. And some of these savvy clients will say, hey, Brad, 
okay, if I'm doing a $10 million home, like your fee needs to be negotiated. And you can make that decision, right? Depending on the value in the client. And But at the end of the day, yes, depending on scope, duration, you should look at that percentage. You have to understand, and this is really important, is every builder should be job costing and tracking in their database. So job costing oh. every project, understanding Absolutely. your overhead, what that nut is to crack, and then building accordingly. And, and one thing we fail to do as builders is they don't create a defined labor rate. And you have to create a labor rate for a superintendent, a coordinator, uh, you know, field engineer, whoever, whatever this title is, assistant super, and put that in your contract because you know you have to have the burden rate, which we won't spend a lot of time in this conversation about that, but you have to understand those numbers, make it very clear to the client what you're billing so that you can understand, you know, just every aspect of that billing process. Perfect. Rod, advice. For somebody wanting to get into, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I think that's the answer. Who in the right mind would want to be a builder? But you know, uh, at the same time, if you're successful and it's nothing more rewarding, so uh, someone getting into it, uh, don't get into this business for the money. You you know, you can make great a great spectacular living being a home builder, but you have to have the passion for it. You have to have you, you know so. If you're just not passionate about seeing a homeowner going into their house and being thrilled with it, you know, if you're doing it just for, you know, the money of it, you know, it's the custom, Too stressful. custom the custom home business probably isn't for you. Uh, but at the same time, I'm vastly rewarded with what I've done. And, you know, it's, it's been a spectacular ride. So I would first say, make sure you have the passion for it. The other is, um, I built a, 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 a huge house in Paradise Valley. That's a few years ago. It was back in the, uh, in the uh, early 90s. I made $5,000. When I got all done, I made $5,000 and built a multi-million dollar home. Not a very smart business deal, but I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, I was right. seat of my pants, just doing what everyone does. They just think, mm-hmm. you know, I love it when they say, well, the guy down the street says he can build it for 250. Well, I can build it for 240, you know, and, 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 and maybe the right number is 400 a foot. And so it's just you, understanding your business is important. But if you don't have the passion to want to deliver great homes to people and want to deal with people on the, some of the most personal level, if that's not you and that's not your personality, it's not your business. Now, with all that said, if you have the passion for it, get a few houses under your belt and then get involved with uh, the National Home Builders Association, Builder 20. Seek out people like Brad, who's got nine and 10 years of experience, or myself, that's got, you know, 35 years of experience. My daughter and son who are uh, taking, you know, the, uh, my son-in-law are taking over our business. We're mentoring, you know, we're succeeding in the business to them over the years. They just got Excellent. back. Literally, I picked them up at the airport. It's the reason I came down here. I picked them up at the airport today, and they just got back from their Builder 20 meeting. And that's, you know, uh, firms from around the country. Totally different group than I was involved with. So uh, it's really important to seek out advice. Go to get, get involved with all the professional side. Learn building science. If you're going to be a custom home builder, learn building science. Learn what new materials we're going to be using. I, you know, I I became a, a very familiar with the uh, ICF many years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done, you know, panelized homes over the years. We've done a lot of different products. Our industry is going to change immensely. If sure. you're not really passionate about those things, you know, electrical or wiring in houses are going to totally change with IP addressed uh, light bulb, uh, uh, can lights in houses. 
Because this mm-hmm. is constantly changing. What I build today, as I, I tease my daughter, who's an architect, you know, it's bedrooms and bathrooms and kitchens. They're just like, just moved around differently. Some houses have, you know, no wet bars. Some of them have seven wet bars. I mean, it's, but it's still a wet bar. And so there's, you know, the magic of putting all this together, it, you got to remember, it's still someone's home. It's, you know, they're going to come in, they're going to park their garage, they're going to use their kitchen, they're going to go to bed and go back to work. I mean, that's the typical life for our homeowners, it seems like. But they want these great homes that, you know, especially after COVID, you know, the shooting galleries and basketball courts and all kinds of things in their home, because who knows where they're going get, to get out of it again. So that young person wanting to get in, you have to be passionate about it. And if you are, you'll be successful. You'll learn, you'll learn all the things you need to learn if you'll listen to people who have done it before. Excellent, JJ. Yeah. Oh, great advice, um, Robert. I'm gonna. I'm, I don't have the list of questions, so I'm gonna. But I, I have one that I want to start with Brad on. And Rod, you touched on it. Is let's break away from the process from the technical side because we could spend four weeks on that one alone. I want to talk about the psychology side and the EQ side. Brad, talk to that because I think our audience would love to hear what, how much energy, and what tools you guys use to handle the psychology and the EQ side for both. You're dealing with the clients and then also your trade base, like how you transcend that from them downstream. Can you touch on that? You know, we become numb as a builder. And, and what I mean by that is it's, uh, you know, the building process to us, to some extent, we understand it, right? We understand the products. You know, it's very mundane in a way, but we become very casual. And, and, and for our clients and, and even with numbers, as you start looking at budgets that come across, you know, for me, if you're building a $5 million home, as Rod mentioned, and you see a change order come for seven hundred dollars, you know you're not thinking much of it, just kind of passing through, right? Just token of business. But you're not really. Are, are we putting ourselves in the client's shoes where they get this now and they're looking? Well, why? Why am I paying this change or why am I being charged like nine hours at this rate when it took them like two hours? And so we have to really put ourselves in the customer's shoes and not be so casual with the day to day communication. And so. This, this is a continued conversation with our team is that, you know, in our client's perspective, understand for them, and Rod gave this example of the Big Gulp, you know, they're walking in, they don't want to see sauce on the floor, food or debris, you know, how are we keeping sites clean, you know, and really thinking about the investment they're putting in. How are we, you know, I had a client, and this goes back to setting clear expectations that no one's going to be on your job every day. You know, a client calls me and says, Brad, I'm paying $100 interest a day and no one's there. Like, and this is like a 14-month build. And, and they just don't understand the building process. So this goes back to that advice for younger builders that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. But over time, as you've seen these pain points, we have to be sensitive to those. There's empathy is really important to be empathetic to our clients and mm-hmm. the stress they're dealing with. And by having that empathy and related to them and listening to them, they're not always right. But we can be empathetic still and find a solution. And so that's something that I've worked on individually, as well as my team, just in that communication process, uh, you know, to just help get through the difficulty that is construction. Rod, any, Rod, any comments on that? Yeah, I think uh, customer perspective is always, you know, we all live from a different perspective, including our trade partners. Brad mentioned earlier, I gave him a, a document. We actually have a, our customers sign a document and it's called the emotional roller coaster. And we have key events of the, the project and, you know, when they sign the contract, they're super happy. And then it takes nine months to get, by the time they get a permit, they're like way at the bottom, not all the way to the bottom. And then they come back up and the, you know, and then the framers show up and it looks like the house is going to be done in three weeks because they're going so fast. 
and they're getting all excited again. And, and then they go into the mechanical and all the, the phases of the construction process. And it's, and they, and then, and, and really where they, the most emotional uh, moment is right when you're done with the house. It's this beautiful house, but they've been daily. I mean, they've, they've, their, their, their endorphins are like, you know, they're, they're, they're like, oh my gosh, you're going to leave me. They just feel that they're going to, you know, all of a sudden it's over when the house is done. I and mean, that's really not. I mean, we still have a long service period with them and, and, and glad to service the great clients, but they go into this withdrawal, that this emotional low that this is over. They, they don't have anything to work in front of them. And it's, so it's really wild to watch that emotion. And we've actually developed and, and, and we use it every now and then we'll take it to a meeting with a customer and say, this is where you're going to go. We want you to know everybody does this. It's okay. You know, let's just, let's keep our comments and let's keep our attitude above the line and let's not go below, you know, below the belt with, you know, with attacking people because you don't, you really will get to a very depressed state, state almost uh, during construction when you're in the certain phases. So I, I, uh, I would tell you that's something that we all need to learn and understand. And it's, I'm sure it's in every business out there. It's not just construction. Well, well, what's, well, what's unique about construction though, if I just interrupt is Rod is mm-hmm. what's funny about that is like, you know, when you look at manufacturing, everything's built in a factory, you know, a lot of things are behind the scenes. We're not seeing day to day building automobiles or food supply chain. Whereas builders, we're having open surgery on the floor, right? Like yeah, he's in the middle of their house <laughs> open the surgery, they're, and they're coming by and everything's exposed. Like it's just lack of a better word of bloodbath at times. And that's where it's just, we have to really understand that, that what other business are you fully exposed all the time? And it's just, you know, we get it, but sometimes our clients don't. Robert, what's, Robert, what's the next question from our listeners? Well, I believe this is, I believe this is uh, pertinent to both. Do you both do renovations and remodels? I think I've heard you mention, uh, Brad, remodels. Um, and I know uh, Rod has mentioned renovations. Let's start with uh, Rod. What do you do in the way of renovation slash remodel? Yeah, we do... Uh... We do full renovations, uh, predominantly in the uh, well. We've done them from Awatuki to you know Carefree, but we're we're uh, we have a six six person uh, renovations division that does, which is a little different of process than uh, new homes. So yeah, uh, new home builders typically don't do renovations, uh, but yeah, over the years uh, and mainly when uh, the two thousand nine crash happened, uh, two thousand eight. There wasn't a whole lot of new homes to build, so we we really went right. heavy into renovations and and uh, figured out that that process and have been doing that and we'll do you know o- over twelve million dollars this year in renovations. Amazing How about you, yeah. Brad. Yeah, so we same here. We're we're primarily new build construction. We do have some renovations. In fact, I have two now. One of them is just under two million. One's over two million. And so it just the biggest thing with renovations is just understanding the right project. And what that means is, you know, there, there is not really a, a bottom line, but there's a baseline there, right? Where the more complex renovations, and I'm sure Rod would be similar, is that, you know, because we're a general contractor and I'm not self-performing, at least my business, I'm not self-performing every task. So a small kitchen or a small bathroom, I'm not a good fit because I don't have an, a plumber, electrician, tile guy, or framer on staff that can just go out and I can move them job to job. We're really strength, you know, our strength in renovations is on a bigger project where I can have a bigger framing crew 
or tile crew, you know, that I'm subcontracting. So someone that's self-performing is going to be great in a remodel, let's just say under 300,000, right? Where they may struggle a little bit on the on a renovation of 2 million. So you really have to understand, and this goes back to very early in the conversation, the vetting process, understand the scope of work and what it entail to complete that. And then you'll know, you know, if that is a renovation that's either good for me or I should refer that out to a subcontractor that, or general contractor that, you know, is more capable to to complete that for the client at a better value. Or, or the builder you want to drive crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we, uh, Let's take it. What one one second, Rod. Let me jump in. Let's take one more break for another sponsor spot, and uh, we'll get right back to you. There comes a time when dreams become a reality, when you see your vision materialize into a true work of art. And the only way to get there is to choose a general contractor who shares that same vision and knows how to bring it to life. At Blue Wave, we aren't so big that we've forgotten where we've come from. And we aren't so small that we can't care for your projects regardless of their size. When your vision deserves safety, perfection, timeliness, and expertise in order to become a reality, trust Blue Wave to get it done right the first time. We at Cullum Homes, we have a, an ongoing service division in, in addition to our renovations division. But if, you know, Cullum Homes, and I'm sure AFT would do the same thing, you know, if it's something that someone wants done in a home we built, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, $5,000 or whatever, we're going to take care of it. But yeah, there's, when we're running the machine, we're running, uh, most of ours is the right client in a right neighborhood. We farm neighborhoods, you know, as we're doing renovations or new homes. If it's a, right now in Silverleaf, we're building, you know, some homes and one of the neighbors had a re- renovation right, right next to one of our projects and we hopped in and it's, it didn't start out to be a big renovation. It just kept growing. But, you know, we, we thought we were just going to do the, redo the owner's suite. And it turns out we're redoing the, almost a <laughs> strip it to the uh, studs uh, now. But so we, we take on projects based on personalities, but the value is uh, typically is, you know, we're not just going in and redoing one bathroom. It would for gotcha. a, one of our clients or one of our customers, but not general public, basically. Okay, we'll stay with you on this, Rod. I just got one more question here uh, from a from a listener. What kinds or types of software do you use in your business? We're on the same system with Brad. Uh, we're uh, we do use a, uh, a, a protocol that's called uh, it's Builder Trend uh, Co Construct. Mm-hmm. It's a scheduling, uh, mainly selections control for us. On our, you know, we're QuickBooks uh, for our uh, accounting software. It integrates with our project control software, but we're using a uh, QuickBooks uh, Builder Pro, I think it's called, on our uh, on our accounting software, and then a CRM system. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty much is self developed. It's not an outside uh, uh, protocol that we're using. Gotcha, Brad. How about you guys? Yeah, so we, similar to Rod, I mean, we're using Builder Trend for the project management software, but um, one thing that we've integrated that we use a lot is Bluebeam. And so the Bluebeam software uh, is something we use heavily and we've trained our entire team and we they all have iPads and they have, you know, everything set up with Bluebeam. And that's become really valuable, especially working on, you know, as the projects become more complex and more challenging, you know, we're, we're really big. I'm sure Rod is too, that I don't want to start a project until everything's been decided. Even even on a $10 million custom home, we're going to know everything that's going into the house. And regardless, the client's going to make a hundred changes and we're going to change 
150 change orders. Like, Brad, Brad let, let's, let's be honest, Brad. It's more like a thousand than a hundred. It is like, it's just, it's relentless and that's okay. It's their dream home. And yeah. right now supply chain, things changes. You have to reselect and that's fine, but you have to have that starting point. But what Bluebeam does now is it's really made it a lot easier because we can layer everything. We can layer the project. And now, you know, Rod has an advantage this way that he does all his architecture in house. And I don't want to throw my, any of my architects under the bus, but some of our plans seem to be lacking or not the detail that they should be. And so Bluebeam, we become we have to become the QC person. And so we can layer things, send it back to our civil engineer, our architect, our design team, and they can make those red lines and changes because what they're designing in some cases can't be built or don't work or page by page differ. And so now we can layer the project. So without getting the complication side of it, it's just Bluebeam has been super beneficial for us. Yeah, we're, we're using ARCHICAD for our uh... BIM modeling software. So we're designing the home in a floor plan format and a plan format. And as we model that home, every component's been pre-modeled. So the walls tilt up, the roof goes on. So we can see everything in a 3D model. And that's really changed uh, the, the construction challenges we're having in the field with how to get the, you know, <laughs> I always talk to the architects that I've never met, met the person yet in Arizona that didn't want to have air conditioning in their home. And wow. So, imagine. So, yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> and so many architectural plans, you get there, they have it drawn, but it doesn't work. I mean, it's not, <laughs> not that it, the tonnage isn't right. You just can't physically get the air managed into a room through the roof structure or through, you know, you just can't do it. And so to earlier, you can catch that in architecture, the better off. And unfortunately, uh, you know, just as Brad and I have more experience than many builders and, you know, the young architects that, you know, great architects in town uh, that do these kind of homes, they personally don't do it. They have, you know, new people out of the university that, you know, architects aren't really taught. They're taught how to design homes, but not necessarily how to build homes. And so uh, they don't understand some of the spatial connections and things. So that is really one of the big challenges we have in our industry is that, that, that design wanting to push the envelope, but not really understanding how it has to be built when you do that. Gotcha. We have a real quick, JJ, we have a, a, a question okay. from Elena, who is a listener. She wants to know where we uh, where you're supposed to uh, send ideas for potential guests. So um, that one I'll answer. Um, you can go to www.macandblue.com. Spell out the word and and spell blue, B-L-E-U. You can reach us there. Uh, go ahead, JJ. So you guys are here because, A, you're two tremendous individuals, but you guys also build some really cool stuff. And, cool. and, and and you both highlighted on it. And I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't give our, our listeners and viewers a little dabble into, let's call it the cool stuff. So as amenities have grown and disposable income and access to crazy things has become more and more prevalent, without giving away clients' proprietary secrets, we'd love to hear both of you share some of the crazy things you're either working on or things that you're seeing that are coming from some clients that have challenged you to give them the ultimate dream. Uh, go ahead, Rod. Well, uh, you know, over the years, we've built the typical uh, indoor basketball, underground basketball courts. Uh, one of the more 
And you go to our website, you can see a house we built in Desert Mountain that has a, a seven-car underground parking garage. It's all glass. You can have your Ferraris and different cars. And it actually brought from an elevator from your regular garage down into the basement. And we have a golf center. And uh, one of the new technologies uh, that people are going to is the quad TVs, where you have four 85-inch TVs on the wall instead of having projectors. It's actually less expensive and a better, I think, a better option for TVs now. You know, the Ketra lighting and the uh, IP lighting uh, products that are coming in is going to totally change how homes are lit at all price levels of homes. Um, we've done indoor bowling lanes, indoor shooting galleries, um, uh, some just crazy showers that, you know, it's like you could have the whole basketball team in there at once if you want. Um <laughs> So uh, I would say those are some of the more unique things. And, and, and the thing that's really changing, a lot of technology is changing in the kitchen right now with the mm-hmm. sous vide kitchens and, uh, you know, speed, speed ovens. And I think you're going to see that again at all price range. It's going to change speed ovens. Yeah. So a speed oven is a combination of a microwave and a regular uh, conventional uh, convection oven. And, wow. it's, it, and so it, it does, uh, can get, can get the, the process done quicker. Typically it involves steam because the microwave will dry things out and the steam will sure. bring it back. So, and the, and so we're seeing some of those products that, that we're incorporating. The other thing is happening in houses. The amount of freezer space in a kitchen is dropping. The amount of refrigeration mm-hmm. space is going up. Uh, fresh cooking is really a big part of it. And that's more about refrigerating things instead of freezing them. So other than your ice cream and your vodka, they don't use a freezer very much in a lot of our homes. How about you, Brad? Yeah. So along those lines, I won't reiterate anything Rod said, um, especially on the technology side, but we, we do have an amazing project right now where, uh, you know, they have a lazy river that it, it goes under a cantilever deck. So the whole water, there's a four pool water system all surrounded by fire and it goes under a cantilever deck and you're talking these exposed steel, massive structure, you know, trampoline barn where they have a 5,000 square foot barn with a projector and mezzanine level and four Olympic sized trampolines that they could jump in. And, uh, along that line, they have the catcher system, you know, the catcher lighting, which is. And it, it, amazing, you know, probably the, the, the value of the automation and lighting architecture on this house is more than the most homes in the valley. But uh, then we have other homes similar, you know, 50 caliber underground gun range. And, you know, one right now that I was just on today that we're working through the design that we'll be breaking ground on here end of this year is they're building a racetrack, like their own go-kart track. And, you know, part of this is they want this full experience. So they have this amazing exterior structure with, uh, the entire second floor is all out of acrylic, so it's see-through flooring on steel. Uh, they have four full-size pickleball courts, you know, a video game room, the movie theater, and then the go-kart track. There's also Lazy River on this project, but the go-kart track will go under the Lazy River, and then it'll go around the barn and stuff. And so just some neat things that, you know, that stuff you always dreamt about, but you never think you'd be building, and here we are building them now, so. Sure. Now, um, so you you touch on something that made me think about this. We have beautiful weather in uh, Phoenix, the Phoenix area. I would think that there is a an emphasis, or maybe more emphasis now, on outside landscaping, water features, things like that than than maybe in the past. Is that is that more prevalent now? Let's start with you, Brad. 
Yeah, I think I think it's been pretty prevalent here, but COVID changed a lot of things. I mean, I'm sure Rod would agree that after the recession, after Dumont was C, I I didn't see the big houses coming back, you know, in these, you know, oversized rooms and stuff. And when the lockdown happened, I mean, people just changed everyone's perspective that I need two offices now, his and her like double spouse office and maybe a kid's office even for Zoom school, right? And then that indoor after living, that resort feels so these things that clients weren't doing before, they are doing now because if they can't travel, they might as well enjoy those amenities at home. And a lot of our clients do travel. Like they spend time at the sure. montage or four seasons and they're like, Brad, our design intent is to bring that montage or spa feeling into our house and to create the safe area, the safe zone. Amazing. Rod, how about you? Oh, I agree. The, uh, uh, we, we started the, in the 2012, we started doing lock and leave luxury homes. And that's kind of what we became known for. And that's our Phoenician project is, you know, they're small lots, but it used to be people would come in and go, well, I really want to try to stay at, you know, 3000 feet and they'd never get there. They'd end up at 35. Well, now that's even moved. They're now saying, okay, I, I know I can't live in less than four, which is, you know, huge. And they end up, you know, 58. And we just see <laughs> yeah. this, we just see this huge push for these compounding type living homes that the extended family can come together if it's ever needed again. And uh, so I agree with Brad. It's, I really thought in the, the last crash, we would not see mega houses uh, at the level we saw them. And we've exceeded anything that was even before crash now. Amazing. It's, it's uh, 12, 12 is, uh, you know, I used to say uh, five was the old 10. Well, I think now the 10, 10 now has gone to 20 or 25. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So true. Probably an understatement, Rod, but we'll yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. Um, you guys touched on a lot of the technology. Um, I think we, we should touch on this just to at least get an insight because we could spend hours on it alone, but mm -hmm. it's insight on technology from both your perspective. Smart homes have been around for a long time. Um, you guys talked about the lighting changes, but Brad and Rod, if you could just take a deeper dive and let the listeners and viewers know what else is coming on the, on the, on the integration side of the homes with AR, VR, metaverse, anything like that. You know, are you guys seeing that push come to the elite luxury home? Brad? Yeah, I mean, just just to that point now, and I know Rod's doing some as are we like Delos, right? So I mean, mm -hmm. even just from a healthy living, so air purification, water purification, you know, understanding um, VOCs, you know, the volatile content that you know the off gassing from furniture you're buying, from mm -hmm. painting the house, and you know, just being in these as as homes become tighter, understanding, like Rod said, understanding building science, and now these systems, our clients are very aware of that. They're aware of sustainability. They, you know, you look at, um, uh, right now with, with the grid, right. Um, that th we're having issues all throughout the grid hasn't been maintained nationally anywhere. And so with all the influx of people, especially in Arizona, you know, it creates this issue and how are we cleaning energy and, you know, battery backup and, you know, solar, I mean, all these things come into play with, you know, net zero as well as everything else. Rod? Yeah, I, I think the uh, the technology is what gets a lot of the sizzle, but I think really what's changing, our industry is changing into health and wellness. You know, we've been doing it for years with indoor air, air exchangers and indoor air quality, but it's 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 reached a new plateau with uh, COVID. 
But, uh, you know, if people, if, if you live in a house, it's got a layer of dust on the dining room table. That's what you're breathing in every night you're sleeping. So we, we, we really have concentrated on health and wellness and there's great building products and building science products like ICF and the steel belt and, um, you know, uh, the air tightness of our homes with, uh, the different foam insulations we're using. And when you do that, you have to be worried about indoor air quality. You got to, uh, about fresh air exchanges. So this, the, the stuff that's going to hit the market and technology homes that'll have electronic locks that you walk up to the door, it'll recognize you and it'll unlock it for you without even using a key. And there's some really cool stuff with technology out there. If they can ever get the chips to complete them. Uh, Get in line with everyone else, Rod. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you know, we're doing, uh, we're doing, a, I'm involved with a company that's uh, coming out with a leak detection system that will shut off the house if there's a, a drop of water that leaks and, you know, if the house potentially has a freeze issue and how many homes have, uh, you know, it's 25% of the industry is a, a, a paid out in, in insurance is leaks interior to the home. So there's a lot of things that are coming down with uh, artificial intelligence technology and just the level and the, how, how that cost has driven itself down. Where I, I, I am a, you know, Ketra is the leading edge of this, but lighting in your home is how we wire homes. I don't know if it's five or 10 years from now, we're not going to be wiring homes the same way we're doing it because every light bulb in the house, every can in the house will have its own address and the signal will come right down the, the Romex and it'll, it'll tell that light to come out at a certain level and go to, and that technology, quick story, when I started doing LED in 2012, LED lights in 2012, the only ones you could buy were either these, hundred. I was paying $110 a bulb to put LED lights in. But I did that because they were Edison-based bulbs. Most of the LED light came out as a, 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 an iode you know, a, a, on a yep. flat board. Well, right. I didn't want to put those into my houses because, I, in my opinion, in five to 10 years, they were going to be everything's going to go Edison, but there's billions and billions of bulbs out there that were Edison, you know, incandescent that would go to Edison base. So I paid the $110, which is about the same price as putting the other fixture in and bought the light bulbs so that people could change that kind of, it's transformative of what led has done to homes. And sure. that's going to go to the next level in the next five to 10 years. And, Absolutely. and, and if, and you talk about the grid led versus incandescent, we're still having to rate our houses based on incandescent bulbs and you can't even buy an incandescent bulb. So the, right, yeah, we need crazy. to get the building industry to catch up because we're over, we're over amping our houses, if you will, because yep. we have to, we still have to use incandescent calculations where an LED yep. bulb would cut, cut our uh, actual use of that house is, is cut by, you know, in, in by 20, at least 80% less in a LED to an incandescent. So those kind of changes in technology will be transformative for our, not only our power grid, but how people live in homes. I agree. I agree. We're down to just a few minutes left. And so I want to uh, give enough time here. Brad, I'm going to start with you. Shameless plug time. Brad has uh, a podcast called the AFT Construction Podcast. Very popular. Very well done. If you're not listening to it or subscribe to it, you need to. How can people get a hold of you? What else do we need to know about you? Tell us uh, a little bit about how people can reach you and engage you in whatever. Sure. So you mentioned the podcast. So any 
any podcast platform, search AT Construction Podcast or Brad Lovett should pop right up. Uh, to be simple, all of our handles, the Finder Touch Construction, is just AFT Construction. So our website, AFTConstruction.com, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, they're all AFT Construction. I manage our social media, so you can find me there. Uh, if you want to direct connect with me, Instagram, AFT Construction, or it's AFT underscore construction on Instagram, or on LinkedIn, just search Brad Lovett, um, and I should come up. So when it comes to social media, when I grow up, I want to be just like you, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 all, we all aspire to be like Brad when it comes to social media. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Rod, um, yeah, how do people get a hold of you, Rod, and, and uh, any particular way and uh, that, that, that they should reach out? Well, just to joke with Brad a little bit, what's social media? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're on all the same platforms. It's uh, Cullum Homes, C-U-L-L-U-M.com. CullumHomes.com, and that'll drive you to all, all of our uh, great homes we've built, pictures of homes. And uh, we're also on, uh, I don't think we're on TikToks, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> just Rod's on TikTok, not yeah, the just, company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, gentlemen, um, uh, for the listeners, take some time, peruse both of these guys, uh, their, their work, their websites, their homes. Uh, you'll be blown away. Um, I cannot thank you enough for being on. Uh, it's been absolutely phenomenal, just like we thought it was going to be. JJ, do you have anything you want to add real quick? No. I mean, I, I look up to you, too, as a, as a fellow. You know, I'm on the commercial side, but I look up to you guys as, as fellow mentors and, and, and peers in the group. And it's been an absolute joy to have two of the, the rocks of our valley on our podcast today. So thank you. And thanks for sharing your stories with our listeners and viewers. Absolutely. And thank you. Daryl, Daryl didn't get a shout out this week. Daryl Robinson, our producer, did a phenomenal job getting all this put together at the last minute. Daryl, thank you. Take us out of here. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Mac and Blue Show, brought to you by Mac Prefab and Blue Wave General Contracting. Be sure to subscribe to the Mac and Blue Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky on LinkedIn and Instagram. And tune in live every first and third Thursday at 3 p.m. as we continue to introduce you to the people building Arizona. Walt Disney said, you can dream, create, design, and build the most wonderful place in the world, but it requires people to make the dream a reality. Until next time, make it a great day.